It was a cheerful gospel. You're going to be persecuted. You're going to be beaten. You're going to be all over the place. People are going to be mad because you're Jesus people. They're going to be angry at you and do everything to abuse you. And Jesus in the gospel says, do not plan your defense. I will give you the words that are necessary for your defense. Then he says, Endure the trial. Endure your faith. Follow me in love and endure. Kind of exciting gospel lesson. Particularly given our current events of Tuesday, a political election which had as much chaos and vitriolic kinds of experiences possible. And many of us are shocked and angry and fearful and all of those feelings that come with the result of this current election process. It's not easy for us to be Christians today because we're called to a very different order of things. One of the experiences that I found was after hearing the results of the election, I found myself being angry, upset, all kinds of raw emotions spewing all over the place. And I read the lesson in the gospel, and I'm saying, ooh, this is all predicted. But do I have the faith? Do I have the strength of God's love with me to be able to deal with and respond appropriately to the world we know exists now? I heard some newscasters talking about the issues, and actually it was taken before the election date, And one of them said, and I can't remember exactly the word, so I apologize. I'm going to interpret for you what I heard. One of them said something about, it's too bad that we don't honor being politically correct in our language. We could have used some stability and some civilness during this whole process. Politically correct. And I've thought, you know, I thought I understood the word, although I've seen it often from the negative point of view. Well, I'll be politically correct. But then I decided, well, let's, let's give it a shake and let's see what it says. Politically correct. The avoidance often considered as taken to extremes of forms of expression or action that are perceived to exclude, marginalize, or insult groups of people who are socially disadvantaged and discriminated against. Another, of conform or conforming to a belief that language and practices 
which would offend political sensibilities, as in matters of sex and race, should be eliminated. This phrase has been used as a way of addressing issues that are, has a public responsibility and sensibility to respect others. It became quite negative over the years because it wasn't allowing us to say how we really feel. And certainly in this election process, both sides contributed to the fact that they were telling it like it was. Authenticating a lot of hatred, a lot of bitterness, a lot of anger, a lot of frustration, justifying in their own minds that politically correct is in fact no longer the course of action we should take. And the interesting part to me is these newscasters are claiming that politically correctness at this point in time should have been exercised critically. PC, politically correct. I've heard it used in phrases with all kinds of people. Well, let me be PC. It's sort of a distaste for being appropriate and being responsive to others. Well, I thought about that a lot, being PC. And I was thinking, you know, what in our Christian faith speaks to our PC, political correctness? Well, I've come up with another term. Now, you're going to have to write this down because I'll lose it quickly. PC in our church means persistently Christian. Are you ready for that task? Because with it comes a whole huge sense of responsibility. And a responsibility that many of us will find very uncomfortable, including yours truly. I first thought about this in response to the Right Reverend Michael Curry's address on uh, racism It happened at the Trinity Institute in 2016. For those of you that are interested, if you go to Google and you Google Trinity Institute 2016, Michael Curry's sermon to open the conference is online. What I found in his address was sort of a powerful way of looking at our Christian life and faith from the point of view of the Jesus movement. His persistence in saying the Jesus movement throughout his sermon reminds me of the fact that he was talking about God's love which caused us to be a part of the movement. That God's love is the baseline of our Christian heritage. And that we need to be lovers of others. And we need to project the love of Christ to others. Our baptismal covenant, actually, is a very interesting thing to refer to. Because last Sunday, with the great lessons that we heard, I thought, well, you know, here we are at baptism. 
And what are we in our Christian faith, in the Jesus movement, committing ourselves to? Now, here's some harsh language, but I want you to listen to it. Will you continue in the apostles' teaching and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in the prayers? I will, with God's help. Will you persevere in resisting evil and whenever you fall into sin, repent and return to the Lord? I will, with God's help. Will you proclaim by word and example the good news of God in Christ? I will, with God's help. Will you seek and serve Christ in all persons, loving your neighbor as yourself? I will, with God's help. And here's the hard one. This is the one I stumble over every time I hear the baptismal service. Will you strive for justice and peace among all people? And respect the dignity of every human being. I will with God's help. Our baptismal covenant, if we're in the Jesus movement and loving God, and loving God sharing God with others, we have some serious responsibilities. Serious in the way that many times we are not prepared to offer them in that way. One of the things also in Michael Curry's sermon, and I've lost my notes, so I think I've mentioned it once before. If you're getting ready to march, and you, when you prepare to march, and this is a marching theme here, you have to meditate on the life and teachings of Jesus. Martin Luther King was preparing his marchers to understand that there was principles involved in the march. And these principles were of the Jesus movement of God of love and empowerment. So our task now, which is not easy, because a lot of us have some deep-seated anger and frustration. A lot of us are torn emotionally, because of all the things that have transpired in our own culture that we saw and witnessed. The worst part about it is, and I, I, I have to agree with one of the people on TV, that said, the children of our country were exposed to the most hideous responses of anger and vitriolic feelings ever. So that calls for us as Christians on the Jesus movement to be persevering in our love and our willingness to deal with those who are hurt and caught in the quagmire of disrespect and pain. How do we go forward knowing all of these things? Well, the second great event that happened this week was Veterans Day. Veterans Day, respecting all of those who served in our country, past, present, and future, to honor them in a way because they knew what sacrifice was all about. They had, in fact, joined the military services, and their sacrifice of their own life was a real possibility. 
their march, marching into war or troubles or wherever, always had the cause for service to others. And as we remember this Memorial Weekend and honor the Veterans Day, sorry, we honor the vets because they were prepared to give up their own lives for us so that our country, our nation, our political system would be saved. So if we're honoring our vets, if we're truly becoming Christ's movement, Jesus' movement of love, then we're called to respect others, to hear them, to understand their pain, to share our own pain, to grow in a way that really supports the love of one another and our commitment to God's world of love. I have struggled very difficultly with all of these issues. And I don't know that we, I have any particular resounding solutions. But I know with you and in the t- discussions we have, we can hopefully open our hearts and our minds to one another and to bridge the gaps that lie between us. Someone after the 8 o'clock said to me something about, well, you know, I'm from, I was from Ohio, and I, and I say, whoa, wait a minute. No, I went to school in Ohio. I know what you're talking about. Because there were real people then that felt that they were marginalized and cut off in the political system. I actually had a parish outside of Scranton, Pennsylvania. When the coal mines went belly up, there were people desperately out of work. We also had the problem with someone having a basement in Dunsmore that was 32 stories deep because the pillars had been removed from the coal mines and suddenly the house was gone. I know the pain and the anguish and I understand that we need to step in the void in love to bridge those problems that we face. We cannot do it by justifying our resentment or anger because God won't have any part of that. God wants us to love one another in a way that causes many times persecutions, many times kickback that we will not like or feel good about. But we must persist. We must endure. And the interesting part is even Paul writes to the Thessalonians saying, you know, you've got idle people that are busybodies. Don't have time for that. You've got to get on with the mission of saying Jesus Christ is your Savior and Lord. So all of us together have a responsibility to bring God's message of love to the points and problems of our world that are most difficult for us. And it's only in our human interaction with people who are totally different and are very much caught up in their own anger to be able to hear them and listen to them and have them adjust 
themselves to a relationship that cares about them in love. As the veterans marched to many perils and dangers, if we're truly to honor our vets, we must be in the Jesus movement and march. But we need to meditate on the teachings and the life of Jesus. Amen.